Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. Matthew 5, verse 38. We'll be looking at the ESV translation. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. This is by far one of the most controversial and debated topics and text in all of the scriptures. Ever since Jesus gave these words, these words, a lot of people have discussed and tried to define what exactly he was getting at. Many people have concluded, as they read these words from Jesus, that we as Christians are called not to resist those who strike us. There are some who would go as far as to say that we are to be pacifists, meaning that if an outside nation comes in and strikes our homeland, we are not called to fight and to bear arms. Uh, some would even say that uh, when we get beat up, we are called not to fight back, but just to take one for the team. Because after all, Jesus said in these words, do not resist one who strikes you. Leo Tolstoy, who was a social reformer uh, back in the 19th century, he came to the conclusion as he interpreted Jesus' words as an absolute prohibition of all physical violence, not only personal, but also on the part of the police, the military, and the civil judiciary. He went so far as to insist that one must not resist the murderer or the thief. Tolstoy, he said that, or Tolstoy, he said that if someone came into your house and robbed you, and you were there, you were not to defend yourself, but you were just to let them take your possessions and your belongings and don't fight back. Is that what Jesus meant? Did he meant that when he said these words? I don't believe that's what he meant. I would disagree with Tolstoy and many of the others who have interpreted it this way. And you know that about me because I serve in the military. <laughs> And so that would be a little odd if I served in the military and I agreed with this view. I don't believe that's what Jesus was getting at here because I do believe there is a time for war. I do believe there's a time where we have to defend ourselves and defend our homeland if we're struck upon and if we're threatened. So if, if Jesus didn't mean that, then what is he saying here? Well, first off, we have to understand the whole eye for eye, tooth for tooth rule that was talked about in the Old Testament. What is that rule and how are we to interpret it? Well, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, what it, it comes from is it comes from the Old Testament and uh, it's, it's the word lex talionis. Lex talionis, which uh, really means the law of the talon. It is the law of retaliation. And it's found in several passages in the Old Testament. It's also found from Jewish ancient writings of the law of Hammurabi. But in two places in the Old Testament we turn to that describes this whole eye for eye and tooth for tooth law, Exodus 21 and Leviticus 24. Exodus 21 reads these words, when men strive together and hit a pregnant woman, 
so that her children come out, but there is no harm. The one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband shall impose on him. And he shall pay as the judges determine. But if, the, but if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. This is one of the passages that uh, Christians use when we promote the sanctity of human life, when we talk about that of how God values life even beginning in the womb. And we go back to this passage and we say that there is great injustice when a baby is taken from the womb, when there is a, a fight that takes, takes place. And so uh, the perpetrator of this should have to pay a penalty, should have to pay a price, and that price could be his life. Leviticus chapter 24 is another example of eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good at life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. So in the days of Moses, God gave this law, the lex talionis. And what he was saying here is that this law was designed to administer justice through the civil courts. It was designed to make the punishment fit the crime. So if someone would have their eye taken out, then you were to take out that person's eye who took the person's eye out. If someone took out their tooth and knocked it out in a fight, then the person who knocked out the tooth was to have their tooth taken out of. It was the punishment that was to fit the crime and it was to be through the civil courts. This, this law was designed for major cases that were brought before judges. It was designed for major cases brought before judges, and it was really designed to be fair and to be equitable. You didn't have this idea of it being too severe or too lax. In other words, the judges weren't going to say, well, if you knocked out somebody's tooth, then that person is to be murdered. That's a little too severe. On the other end of the spectrum, it wasn't too lax where if someone murdered somebody, then they wouldn't just have their tooth knocked out. There would be what we call capital punishment. And capital punishment is mentioned throughout many portions of Scripture, both old and new. And so Jesus, he would affirm the law even today, I believe, of eye for eye and tooth for tooth, especially when it came to major cases. So why was this law instituted in the first place? Well, really two reasons why. First, it was designed to serve as a deterrent to keep more wickedness from taking place. That's why we have even laws today in our, in our land here. That's why we have stop signs. That's why you're given a speeding ticket when the cops pull you over for speeding. It's, it's, it's used as a deterrent from helping you stop doing that. We don't all stop doing that, but it's, it's supposed to do that. In the same way, the lex talionis, the, the law of the talon, the, the eye for eye, tooth for tooth rule was designed for that purpose, uh, to stop things from getting worse. It was also designed to stop tribal warfare and family feuds from taking place. You may have heard of the Hatfield and the McCoys. You also may have watched the movie or read the novel of Huck Finn. Well, in that novel, Huck... Huck Finn, he has a discussion uh, 
with his friend Buck. And he's asking about tribal warfare and family feuds. This is how the, the exchange went. Huck asked the question to his friend Buck, Buck, what's a feud? And Buck said, why, where was you raised, Huck? Don't you know what a feud is? And Huck said, never heard of it before, so tell me about it, Buck. And Buck said, well, a feud is this way. A man has a quarrel with another man and kills him, and that other man's brother kills him. Then the other brothers on both sides, they they go for one another. Then the cousins chip in, and by and by, everybody's killed off, and there ain't no more feud. But it's kind of slow, and it takes a very long time. This was the Lex Talionis. This was what the Lex Talionis was designed to prevent. If the initial offense is met with a fair and proportionate penalty, then that's the end of the matter. Case closed, and things don't need to escalate any further. This law was an instrument of the court, and it was a means of satisfying the legal demands and penal sanctions of the state. The punishment was designed to fit the crime. So eye for eye, tooth for tooth, should still be intact today. So if that is the case, which I believe it is, and I believe Jesus would affirm that, then what was he talking about here? What was he talking about here? Well, in the last four weeks, we've discussed how in the Sermon on the Mount, in this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was going right at the Pharisees and the teachers of the law because they were misinterpreting and misapplying the Old Testament law. These teachers of the law were misinterpreting and misapplying Old Testament scriptures, and they were doing it for their own benefit. So Jesus was correcting their misinterpretation and their misapplication of the Old Testament. What was going on here in Jesus' day was that these Pharisees, they would claim that Moses allowed for justice to be decided on by the individual and not just by the courts. They said that each individual has the right to take matters in their own hands whenever they are wronged by someone whether it's a major case or whether it's a simple minor case, the everyday <laughs> minor cases that might come your way. The Pharisee said, Moses grants that whatever, whenever you're wronged, no matter what it is, you can retaliate with personal vengeance. You can take matters in your own hands. And Jesus was saying, uh-uh. That's not what God's law is. That's not what Moses intended when he gave the eye-for-eye, tooth-for-tooth law. The eye-for-eye, tooth-for-tooth law was designed for major cases that would disrupt a society or disrupt a family or even cause great harm and wreak havoc on a person's life. The eye-for-eye, tooth-for-tooth law was not designed for everyday minor infractions. But yet these Pharisees were taking advantage of this law and they said, well, if a person just calls me a bad name, I can call them a bad name right back. Or if a person just kind of asks me for something, then I don't have to give it to him. In fact, I can then ask him for something if I gave it to him. Jesus is saying, that's not godly retaliation. 
And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were taking great advantage of others because they were abusing the law of Moses. Again, it was not designed for personal offenses, this lex talionis. It was designed for major offenses. Jesus went on to give four strong examples of what he was talking about, of how we are to retaliate in a godly manner, in a godly way. He first talks about this idea of turning the other cheek. And I know many of you have read this passage and you've heard about this concept. What was Jesus getting at here in verse 39? He said, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, it seemed really strange that Jesus would say to, 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 to slap them in the right cheek. Because he said here, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. In other words, he's saying, if you're getting slapped, then just turn the other cheek and let them slap you right there. But it seemed kind of odd and strange that Jesus said, the right cheek. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, because most people, maybe 80, 90% of us are right-handed. So when I think about a slap in the face with the right hand, I think about Will Smith and Chris Rock. <laughs> I think about wham, and where it hit Chris Rock's face on his left cheek. So what was Jesus talking about if most of us are right-handed and we're slapping somebody on the right cheek? I've asked Matt Rogers to come up and do a demonstration. I promise I won't hurt you, Matt. But Matt's taller than me, so I'm going to stand up so you can see it a little better. That's why I asked him to do it. Thank you, Matt. So turn this way if you don't mind. So left cheek, right? Right cheek. In fact, we'll do it this way. So I'll have to jump up here. <laughs> left cheek, right cheek. So it would be like this, right? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Matt. Awesome. Let's give him a hand. That's great. That's <laughs> kind of random. I mean, just a little tap on his right cheek. It wouldn't hurt him. It wouldn't do damage. So what was Jesus getting at here? He wasn't saying you do this. He's saying backhand. A slap across the right cheek. Wham. Hits him right in the, I'm not gonna do that to Matt. Hits him right on the right cheek, right? What that meant was a direct insult. It was more of a verbal assault. More of a verbal insult. Slander, ridicule. Someone who calls you names. Someone who talks down on you. That's what Jesus was getting at. So Jesus was really saying, if you are insulted, especially by a non-believer, you don't return the insult back. But instead, you take the higher ground. Romans 12, Paul described it this way. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul is saying from God, he's saying, we are not to take personal vengeance whenever we're wronged. We are not to hold personal grudges and vendettas when we're wronged against, but instead we are to overcome evil with good. We are to take one for the team. We are to swallow our pride. And whenever we're insulted, we just take it 
and we don't fight back. And as we do those things, then it could lead non-believers to Christ. As we don't retaliate like the rest of the world would do, but we simply take one for the team, they'll look at us and say, why aren't you fighting back? Why aren't you insulting me back? And they may be won over to Christ. They just might. You know, whatever your political leanings are, I had a, a lot of respect for Governor Lee when he ran for office a few years ago because the attack ad started and Governor Lee, before he became governor, he said, I will not steep to that level and I will not personally attack my opponents. Now, I will attack their record. I will attack their platform and what they're standing on and their policies, but I will not attack them personally. And he held to it. And I give him a lot of credit for it because he was personally attacked and the attacks came and he said, I'm not gonna do that. And hopefully he won't this time around either. But in politics, we see it all the time where people just steep to the lowest level and they make up stuff about their opponent just so that they can win. What Jesus is saying here is whenever you're accused falsely, whenever you're slandered, you may defend yourself, but you don't need to strike back. Turn the other cheek. The second example Jesus gave is give your cloak as well as your tunic, verse 40. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. What's he getting at here? Notice the distinction between a tunic and a cloak. A tunic was considered the long garment, which corresponded to modern dress or, or clothes that we wear, like the shirt on our back. A cloak was a small blanket that was designed for two things, to to help you when it gets cold, like a little jacket. It's also designed to use as a pillow as you're sleeping in a tent or wherever you may go. Jesus is saying here, he's saying, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. As he gave these words, he's talking to a primarily Jewish audience and they knew their Jewish law. And in Exodus 22, they had rights when their cloak was taken from them. It said, if you ever take your neighbor's cloak and pledge, you shall return it to him before the, the sun goes down, for that is his only covering. And it is his cloak for his body. In what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. The Jewish people knew that this was a law that they had, that if someone took their cloak, their coat, their pillow, that they only had it taken from them for 24 hours, but it was to be given back to them in return and, and within 24 hours. But what Jesus was getting at here is he's saying that even though things might be in your inalienable possession, he is saying here that it might still be necessary for us to forego our rights. So even though you may get your cloak back within 24 hours, he's saying there might be times where you don't get it back, but you forego your rights and give away your possessions. D.A. Carson, he said it this way, even those things which we regard as our rights by law must be prepared to abandon. And that's hard for us because by golly, we have our rights and we gotta stand up for our rights. Jesus is saying sometimes <laughs> you gotta forego your rights to win others to Christ because the road to the cross is suffering, it's service, it's selflessness, it's sacrifice. And sometimes we have to do those hard things and take up our cross and follow him to win others to Jesus. That's what godly retaliation can mean.
The third example Jesus gave is verse 41. He said to go the extra mile. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. What's he talking about here? Well, in the days of Jesus, the Jewish people were under the Roman government authority. And the Roman government authority could literally draft any citizen to help them move something up to a mile. So if they had a large thing that they needed to move uh, to another house or another place or another building, they could go to any citizen and they could tell somebody to do something. You wouldn't volunteer for it. You'd be voluntold. And the government would say, okay, you got to stop whatever it is you're doing and you got to help us move this thing up to a mile. This was a really difficult law for the Jews because it reminded the Jewish people that they were subjugated to another culture, the Romans. And anytime the Romans would come and ask them to go the, the extra mile, they would often do it begrudgingly. And they would do it with, as they would complain because they would say, oh, yeah, woe is me. We're under the Romans and now they're taking advantage of us and we have to go and stop whatever it is we're doing and help them move whatever they need to do in the middle of the day when I was already working. And Jesus is saying to them, my people, when you're asked to do something by the Roman government, do it. And do it without complaining. Do it without arguing. Swallow your pride. And not only go one mile that you're required, but go the extra mile. Go another mile. That's what it means to retaliate in a godly manner. And it reminds me of, of how Simon of Cyrene was compelled to carry the crossbeam for Jesus in Mark 15, 21. That was the law he was under, and he was asked to carry the crossbeam for Jesus by the Roman government. Matthew 5, 16 reminds us that in the same way we are to let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. As Christians, we've got to think not about the here and now, and when we're personally wronged, it's easy for us to just want to fight back. But I would encourage you, whenever you just want to fight back, just take a deep breath, pause for just a moment, and ask the Lord, how would you have me respond in, in a godly manner? And instead of focusing on the here and now and how we've been personally wronged, we need to instead think about eternity and about that person who has wronged us in their soul and their eternal state. That's the point Jesus is getting at. The fourth example is really interesting and has been even debated over the centuries. Give to the beggar, verse 42. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. I kid you not, there have been people who have taken that verse so literally that they have gone in debt because they've given away everything they had. There was a, a college student who was at the University of Cambridge, and he read these words for the first time, and he literally went three days without eating because he gave away all of his food, he gave away all of his clothes except the one shirt he had, and he wore the shirt every day. Finally, his professor said, okay, I don't think that's what Jesus was getting at here where you give away everything when people ask because what was happening was this college student was giving it to these poor beggars and these poor beggars, most of them would go and they would use it in, on alcohol. It would make their addiction a whole lot worse. 
And so finally, his professor came to him and he said, my friend, that, that's not helping the beggar. It's enabling the beggar to continue to drink and to, and to damage their lives further. So if that's not exactly what Jesus meant, what was he getting at here? Well, the Pharisees and the Jews, they were used to having the mindset of what's in it for me. They were used to whenever a beggar would ask them to do something, gripe back and say, Meh, I guess I'll give them something. I don't know about that. And they had really poor attitudes. When you go through the Sermon on the Mount, you see that Jesus really concern, is, is concerned about our hearts more than anything. He wants to know what's in our hearts. He wants to know what we're thinking about. And these Pharisees and these Jewish leaders, they were taking advantage of people and their hearts were hard. And Jesus was saying, enough. You need to soften your hearts. You need to humble yourself. You need to, instead of have the attitude of what's in it for me, you need to ask, how can I serve others? How can I help others? And sometimes you might need to give the shirt off your back to someone especially if they're in dire need. But Jesus also tells us in other places in the New Testament to use discernment and not just to simply enable people, but instead to empower people. We are called to teach people how to fish, not just give them fish. And so again, our point here, Jesus, or the point here Jesus is making is, how can I serve others? And to give out of generosity and out of grace and out of mercy instead of give begrudgingly and out of complaining. So as we look at godly retaliation, I just wanna give you a few things to think about in your own life. If someone insults you, don't respond with an insult, but instead either ignore the insult or you may defend yourself, but don't respond by insulting them. Don't steep to that low level, especially when you're dealing with a non-believer, especially, because their hearts are hard. The second thing I would say is if your boss asks you to do something that is above and beyond your job description, then do it. Don't complain. He's your boss or she's your boss. If they ask you to do something that is beyond your job description, do it. And then after you're done with the, with the obligation, then go to them and say, is there anything else you need? That's how you go the extra mile. Teenagers in the room, if your parents ask you to mow the grass and to clean your room and clean the dishes, do it. And then when you're done, ask the mom and dad, is this, is this job okay? And do you need me to do anything else for you? And do it without complaining or without the expectation of, of getting things for it. That's the whole point Jesus was making. We, we shouldn't expect to get something from people. We should expect to give, to give. If someone needs to borrow something from you, or even kids in the room, if your brother and sister ask you to share your toys or your possessions, share it, share it. Here, if someone is late to a meeting, then don't retaliate by being late the next time you see them. And if your spouse leaves the room messy, don't the next day leave the room messy. <laughs> if they leave the dishes in the sink, don't the next day leave the dishes in the sink. Don't be passive aggressive. Don't retaliate in that way. 
1 Peter 2.12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. What a great passage and a reminder to us of keeping our conduct honorable, especially around non-believers, but even around each other. Keep it honorable so that when non-believers see the way we react to one another and to them, they may see our good deeds and give God glory. It's a convicting passage, but it's important for each one of us as we live our daily lives and interact with difficult situations. But keep this important passage in mind.